You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Uh, you know, it's it's so funny because um, looking back now on the fact that we have to do this entire episode all over again because I didn't understand how inputs work, uh, it just makes you kind of reflect on uh, making sure you sharpen the axe before you cut down the tree or, or whatever that that saying is because uh, here, we, here we are again uh, getting ready to... Go at episode two of Raising Anchor. Uh, Jason, how you doing? I'm doing good. Um, did you update the patch notes for this then? So this is like episode 2.151. Dash A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, you joke, but in the back, like back to, uh, backlogs in the meta, you do, you do kind of do those uh, watermarks and tags. So yeah, th- there will be an additional besides just the zero zero. You're gonna have to work on the SEO for this one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I think now about all the fun content that listeners aren't going to get because of a microphone recording mistake that we didn't catch until in post. What do you think uh, is the biggest mistake, or what do you think is the biggest regret that we'll have that the listeners will never know? It's not often that you peak in your second episode, so, you know, I don't see how that's going to work out for us, <laughs> especially since no one's going to hear it. I, uh, I, I regret to, to spoil, but also tease, because we're not going to go back over it. I, uh, I regret that we had decided and figured out for all time who the GOAT in basketball was between LeBron and Jordan, and we had decided it through Space Jam uh, quality and that that was the deciding factor. No matter what points are put up on the court, it's always going to live on on who produced the better Space Jam. And uh, the listeners are never going to get to hear that debate. We really must have went on some tangents. <laughs> I wasn't really sure if you were making this up to begin with, but I, I think I remember that now. Uh, were you drinking that night? Absolutely not. <laughs> your, your eyes say a different story right now, sir. Drinking tonight. <laughs> Just water last time, just water. So, uh, again, welcome to round two of episode two. Um, on our on our last pod, you know, we had done the introductions around our uh, kind of roots in Rhode Island in terms of soccer history and, and the richness that has existed before ourselves. And uh, so we thought today we would take our listeners on a journey through the understanding and explanation of the league that we'll be joining in 2024, and that is the USL. Jason, pop quiz, do you know what the USL stands for? United Soccer League? (laughs) I like how you you had to say that with with the curiosity if you may not have gotten that right. (laughs) There's sometimes you just never think about things, right? You just take them for granted. Like, oh, hey, USL, it's a soccer league. What does it stand for? I don't know. I just work here. <laughs> it's funny. Did you know what the USL stood for before we started getting attached to Rhode Island FC? Probably. Did you? Because I, I, I honestly, before I started doing the research, I was like, "This is like the United States League. That makes the most sense. Why? Why even use the word soccer in a in a soccer league? That's how. That's how poor I was in bringing 
content, competent content to the uh, the podcast. So that that's where I'm at. Oh, it's not the URL, the United Rocket League. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different type of uh, sport. But uh, yeah, so we'll be taking listeners in on today the the USL, um, and then also we want to kind of go over briefly the dynamics of the the USSF uh, pyramid in general, um, kind of how the different divisions make up professional and amateur soccer, um, to kind of give a a understanding, a base understanding, a very base understanding of, of what we can expect and uh, how we anticipate that Rhode Island FC will participate in the league itself. Um, and it couldn't be better timing. Even though this is a re-recording, uh, some, some very interesting news dropped uh, earlier this earlier this week. Do you want to catch the listeners up? Spoiler alerts. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, The Athletic, I think, was the first to drop it around the fact that the USL is looking to potentially vote on a pro-rail system here in America. And if you have been following soccer at all in the last 20 or 30 years, uh, you would know that this conversation comes up as kind of like a I don't know, an April Fool's joke every year within the communities. It's it's that thing when when the, all of the other leagues that have it, which is basically the rest of the planet, um, when they go through their own relegation at the end of their seasons, it comes up as a hot, to- a hot topic for us to say, hey, why don't we have that in America? And it looks like the USL is seriously exploring a potential approach to moving their three systems, which we'll talk about in a bit, into a pro-rail system. So... There's, there's not much to say yet. The article was just saying that, you know, they have an open mind. They're looking to explore possibilities and that if they do bring it in, it's not going to, you know, show up tomorrow. Um, but, you know, what what are your initial impressions of pro? I never thought we would have a pro rail conversation in this podcast, at least not until like we needed to like stall for time and, and have an episode in between seasons or something. And like, <laughs> hey, let's let's talk. What could it be like? But it may it may show up now. So. What are what are your impressions of, of pro rail overall? As someone who who watches and enjoys a lot of European soccer, I mean, I'm totally for it. It adds a it a, it adds tension to every game, right? There, you don't end up having those like dead rubbers towards the end of the season where it's like eh, neither of us made the playoffs. We're just going for clean sheets or something, upping our passing or completion rates. You know, like there, there's really no point to the game this added layer you know creates an excitement that like honestly sometimes is more exciting than title race especially with the way a lot of the giants have kind of started to pull away there's a lot of like huge moments let's say like for instance in the premier league but often how you know what maybe two three times in the last 10 15 years has it really come down to the last day or so for, I can, for I can like only the title. ever think of the Man City QPR game where... Yeah, so like th- that's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But then, you know, some of these relegation battles like can stretch out for the last few games and add a lot of extra tension. And more like... It, it doesn't let you rest on your laurels and sit like, eh, you know, we won a few championships back in the day and now we can just like milk our fan base and we'll maybe one day we'll get lucky and get a good academy player again or something build a team around them but we're not going to really put the effort in there to really go for anything more than just you know jersey sales (laughs) (laughs) so i i don't i don't disagree with anything and i often also find myself more 
you know, paying attention to the table, um, watching the the games, either whether it's the highlights of teams that I would normally not follow uh, in like the middle of the season. Um, and it is that despair. Like I, I, one of my favorite things when the World Cup is on is when the when it's in the knockout rounds and the the cameraman pans to the like, and it's always the most beautiful, but it's the crying woman of the club that's losing. <laughs> and you just, you can see that every decision that she ever made she just hates her life. Like the rest of her life will never be as good because she's seeing her team get knocked out of, of the World Cup. So why did I pay five hundred dollars for this ticket? <laughs> <laughs> World Cup? I mean, I, that's I five thousand maybe. But but yeah, no, and and so I, I I love it. I love the I love the drama. I love following clubs that I'm not really in tune with. Um and there can be some upsets. There there can be Cinderella stories in there, right? Um but having said that. Is that good for USL? And I know we're kind of like leading the witness. We're, we're talking about before we even break down the league itself, but this isn't Division I soccer right now. And their model, if, if based on what the athletic is reporting, is this is a viable path forward to find interdependence from MLS because they will never, they will never uproot MLS as a, as a Division I. But with ProRail in place, they believe they can offer a different type of experience or excitement that would then transition them into some sort of D1 product. Or, and what I think they're hoping would be, is to force MLS to play within the system that the USSF would have to define. And that's great and all if it works. And I, and I hope it works. I, I mean, we're investing time and energy into, into this club and we want the league to also be successful. But I, I can't help but wonder if the league is ready now for this kind of work. So do you think, like, do you, not knowing the history of ProRail across the centuries of, of soccer that have existed in other countries, do you think that this is something this league could handle right now? Um, like, I, you know, I don't know enough about the USL to say that can they handle it or not. Um, but, like, talking about like the trajectory and like, is it good for it? I, I think it is absolutely good for the USL because the reality is MLS is top dog in, in the States, right? You know, the, the, it's not like magically the money is going to all of a sudden be there for all these different teams. So they have to differentiate themselves and say, why would you watch this other league when you can watch this other one that's better? Well, because this one plays by a different set of rules that's more akin to, global soccer, right? So you have that added layer of excitement that there you cannot, like I said earlier, you cannot rest on your laurels. So if they can, you know, maybe that wouldn't make them grow to the same way, like as big as the MLS, but it would definitely get the MLS watching be like, these guys, you know, are maybe taking away from our share of the cookie. And the dream at that point maybe would be, like you said, maybe down the line in the future, kind of get, an actual soccer pyramid the way that you have in England where, you know what, these contracts, when you bought these, you know, MLS teams like 30, 40 years ago or whatever, like, sorry, but like we are, you know, we're going to this, this new future where, I mean, it, it's, it's the American dream, right? You start from this little, you know, your little team that you start How out. dare you? <laughs> How dare you invoke the American dream? Oh man. So, Hey, I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Um, I do think that um, we 
we'll talk about it some more. Um, before we jump in, though, and I, I see this is the problem when you when you have to jump show notes and you already had this show done once. You actually owe me an apology that we have to go back and cover from the last time we recorded this. So if you remember in in episode one, you had brought up some breaking journalism about uh, Brett Johnson, one of the one of the founders of Rhode Island FC. And I, I had told you at the time I hadn't heard that information and I wasn't really sure. And so I did some digging um, and I, I don't want to get into a fight with one of the local you know, journalism organizations here in Rhode Island right out the bat, but I have to kind of challenge some of what they are reporting these days. There's there's definitely already been this inclination that they don't want to see soccer be successful in Rhode Island. But um, so for those that didn't read the article, and this is, this is a little dated now, but Brett Johnson was accused of kind of lying and that he is not who we think he is and that because of that, this club is is kind of being led down the path of, of doom and gloom. And when I looked into the, the allegations, the, the interesting thing was Go Local Prov did not have anything wrong. What they reported was accurate, but it was kind of like that spin and like the, the sauce they put on top. So yes, Brett Johnson does not have a controlling interest as a director of Ipswich Town. But you know what he does have? He has 1% ownership. And I don't know about you, nice. Jason, but I don't have 1% ownership of Ipswich Town. Do you? I do not. So could you at all influence the decisions with 0%? Unlikely. Right. And maybe maybe Brett's not really doing that himself, but he at least has his foot in a door that we we can't even get into that room where that door is located. And so when I continue to look through the elements, so the, the Tucson piece in Arizona where the, the club had been collapsed, Yes, he couldn't get the Tucson project off the ground, but he sold the rights or was a part of the acquisition plan to give it to Phoenix Rising. So you know what I mean? Like so now he has a he has a partnership or like a like he's kind of on like the board of directors, like kind of influencing the path forward that Phoenix Rising may take if they could try to get an MLS expansion, which we'll talk about in this episode. Um so that was the second one. And then when you look at the rest of it, it's just a guy lying on his C V to look impressive on a third-party recruiting website. And I hate to tell you this, go local, but like everybody does that. <laughs> if you go look at my re- my CV on LinkedIn, it has words that I did not know how to spell before I looked them up. It has responsibilities that have been greatly exaggerated. They're not lies, but they're not exactly the truth either. And that's so that if one day someone comes knocking, I can say, oh, yes, please um, you know, pick me up for this much money. And please don't go comment on my LinkedIn. I, I don't need that kind of attention right now. But but it's just kind of, it was kind of insane to think that all of the stadium's problems were going to be built off of the fact that they looked at this gentleman's resume and said, hey, no, this isn't going to happen. What, so how do you, now, that, now that you've been, the air's been cleared, do you still think he is peddling snake oil? Uh, no, I mean... You know, I fall myself like many other people. I'm willing to admit it. I've fallen into the trap. You know, you see something and then you don't process it too much. You start to read it down on the stadium. You're like, oh, this guy, he's ruining. <laughs> you know, and I, I didn't, you know, mean to think that he was ruining it per se. But you know, it. You know, like you said, some of the language they used. The more I looked at it, I was kind of afterwards. Just you know, it's a learning process. 
maybe don't don't uh bring breaking news into unless it's been vetted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch. Got to keep that one in the chamber, you know. Exactly. We we uh we will go for Brett for an interview at some point later and he'll be like, "I heard the first episode. I have no interest. I didn't listen to the second episode. You guys are you guys are Crocs." <laughs> I'll wear a mask. You won't recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> it's your voice, Jason. It's your voice. <laughs> so so I I just wanted to bring that up. And then of course, you know, in other news that is no longer breaking either since we recorded this, uh, stadium's back on. Surprise, they found the capital that they needed to move forward with some of the next steps. By no means have they completed the entire um, picture of what they do need, but, you know, like, crisis has been averted. Funds are moving through to the anticipated unlock for those grants that we had talked about in the earlier episode, and it's not all doom and gloom. So I, uh, I think... I think all that being said and done, sometimes the news can move fast. Sometimes it doesn't move at all. And uh, I'm just looking forward to us continuing to marshal down that path for a, a 2024 inaugural season. So you ready to jump into USL? Let's do it. I'm glad we just don't have to uh, keep bringing up like, hmm, is that stadium going to get done or not? Oh, it's going to yeah. It's gonna happen again. In two more months, someone's going to post like, oh, actually, so I, we can see this is, again, how fast news breaks. Uh, there was some Russian billionaire. I don't know if he was Russian. His last name was Russian. Uh, some billionaire wanted to buy the Pasok Stadium before it gets demolished. I did see that. Yeah. For like hundreds of millions of dollars. And the city said, no, we already have secured the funds to move forward with the, with the expansion or the, the demolition and construction of a new high school, which, which the city needs. Like full, fully disclosed, you know, that is a thing that needs to happen. Uh, I just find it funny that, you know, like, why didn't we just like, call that guy up real fast and go, hey, like, there's another sporting opportunity that you can invest those millions of dollars in, and we can put your name, you know, Tidewater Stadium presented by. And uh, so I don't know, I don't know what happened with that part. But again, like, just more kind of conversation where immediately people attach, like, oh, you want something, go to Tidewater. So we're not, we're not out of the fire yet. I'm sure there's gonna be many more conversations, any, any slight delay, like, even if it's weather-based, we're gonna see problems down the road, but we'll get through them. So, all right. USL. What is it It's and what is it not? I think that's going to be the important part of this conversation too. So uh, USL today, uh, what we are going to be seeing our team play uh, in terms of competitive soccer will be in the USL Championship or what we call Division 2, Tier 2. We'll probably use those terms uh, interchangeably here. And uh, it, is, it is the step right below MLS when we talk about professional product. What's really interesting about USL is I knew that it had been around for a little while, but I didn't know or understand the infrastructure of the league as a whole and how long it had actually been around. Founded in 1986, um, we didn't see the change as we understand it today into championship until um, it first kicked off as that pro in 2011, and then it became the championship in 2018. So founded in 86, became pro in 2011, championship in 2018 so the name maybe it'll change again in what is that five six years maybe when relegation and promotion comes in it'll be a it'll be a new it'll be a new conversation but um what was fascinating to me is it wasn't always division two and i knew of another league because of a very famous soccer player and i knew that they performed under the mls and i also knew that there was this kind of entity that competed at one point. There was a, a longer or an older product. And do you remember what that was? 
We're talking about the Nassel? You were talking about that Nassel. <laughs> New York Cosmos. So that's and that is honestly the only team that I knew. I knew that Pele had made this this move at the end of his career. Um, kind of like another uh, South American star who's who's moving over to North America now. Um, and that he had played on this team. But I didn't know where. I didn't know who they were. And uh, so in in doing some research, and then it, it dawned on me, I've heard of Nassau before several other times. Do you remember um, some of like the big names that used to exist like back in the 70s and 80s in terms of teams? Um, didn't Ray Hudson play for... Some Florida Lauderdale. So he did. We'll talk something. about that. We'll talk about that. But I'm talking about like just like teams that exist still today that were a part of the Nassau back in the 70s and the 80s. I think there's like one or two USL teams that have some roots in history that maybe go way back. They do. Uh, don't they name off the top of my head? Though. No, it's all good. So the, the teams I was thinking of were the Seattle Sounders and the Vancouver Whitecaps. Those were Nassau teams that had played for a very long time standing up the Nassau. The Nassau folded at one point because that's just kind of how, if it wasn't you know football or baseball at that time, uh, sports came and they went. And then it kind of came back into the light. But at that point, the Whitecaps and the Sounders had tried to move on to other products. And, and we'll talk more about like the transition of teams between these leagues in a bit. So the Nassau comes back around. And in 2016, it was still Division Two, But the weird thing was is that it only had 12 clubs left at that time. So Division II, 12 clubs, Nassau. And then USL is coming in, you know, coming in hot with 29 clubs. And to me, it's always really interesting because, again, not knowing this league's history, I thought it was like a few teams making some cross-country travel and trying to establish themselves. I had no idea the position that Nassau, excuse me, not Nassau, USL was already in back in 20, 2016. And so the year that really matters in USL's history, though, is 2017. And that's because the Nassau organization dropped down to eight teams uh, due to financial trouble with some of their other clubs. And while the USL had expanded to 30, the reason that USL moved into Division II wasn't the success of their product, but it was because Nassau failed to field enough teams to be in that league minimum. So as a result, the USSF sanctioned that USL would automatically be brought up into Division II, but only on the condition or understanding if, if NASA could get their act together, then you know it would rebalance back out the way it was before. And unfortunately, the NASA did not get their act together. And we saw we saw the the decommissioning or or debranding, I don't know what you want to call the closure of some really, really interesting and really good clubs because of that. And I don't know why, and I'd love to talk to a historian. So if there's anyone listening that that knows more about this or or knows a person that knows about this, I'd love to understand why at that time in 2018 when Nassau folded, why they didn't bring those clubs along with them. Like were they, were all of them, Some and some do come along, but were they just financially insolvent that they couldn't just combine the leagues? Yeah, I'd be curious to know what happened there. Was there some weird legal contracts they were tied up with and they're just, maybe they were already treading water that they just, it, USL didn't see it as like a profitable endeavor to like like just bring a bunch of leopard clubs like oh we just don't want like, to touch your infection. yeah they're gonna they're gonna bring us down <laughs> we don't want that <laughs> yeah so I mean I I would love to to know and understand more about that but so after they fold 2019 is kind of where we see the golden years of USL establish its dominance 
And uh, the system expands to 36 teams across, which we have two conferences, like defined conferences at that point. Um, and it is the, uh, it's the, it's the top of, of tier two. It's the only tier two club or excuse me, league with 36 clubs. Um, and what's even crazier is that because there was so much interest at that time, they even then started like the next step. And this is where I give them credit for having the vision to do what they're doing all the way up now to this pro rail conversation is they, they created the expansion of USL one. So now we're moving into Division Three territory, and I apologize because you're going to start hearing numbers that don't match the tier, and like that's a problem that I think all soccer has in the in the world. But um, so you've got USL Championship Tier Two, 36 clubs, and then you have USL One expanding into Division Three with 10 clubs, and it's just insane. Like this, they're 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 going from small time bids on opening, you know, stadiums in, in parking lots or, or excuse me, you know, having games in parking lots to securing stadium rental contract rights and even thinking about developing stadiums for clubs that would be coming in. Something that was never really uh, a requirement beforehand. And then, you know, fast forward, of course there's some disruption because of COVID, but we see in 2020 through 2022 the club kind of fluctuates from 35 clubs down to 27 clubs and and you know, of course there's still some inconsistency with club performance. So some of them have folded, some of them have been put on hiatus. Um, but the the more successful story at that point in time is you see that they have won, like some of the clubs have won MLS expansion bids. So, and that continues to be a conversation or a talking point that exists still to this day. So you see clubs like Orlando City, you see clubs like Nashville that spend some time in USL, but then boom, they go and get their shot. They get their call up, if you will, into MLS, almost begging again, like these are like Cincinnati, right? Like this is a club that didn't exist on the radar. And now suddenly it's packed with 50,000 in attendance in some of its bigger games. And it's at the top of like soccer passion and attention right now. Same thing with like the new hotness in St. Louis. These were all U.S. Well, not sorry, that one wasn't, but they, these were potentially USL teams just three or four years ago. So, again, defending pro rel here, the ability to suddenly swing violently into the positive or down into the darkness and the depth below, like that could be an exciting thing for fans and the communities that are attached to these these clubs. Yeah, the the cynic in me wonders with some with somehow those clubs like appeared out of nowhere, got a lot of support, and then just jumped in. It was like that, like. Yo, let's test the water with here. Like you know, the they'll, maybe their intention was always to try and get get to MLS, and it was just like, hey, if not, maybe we we'll just have a USL team that makes some money, <laughs> right? And in all honesty, too, like I mean, there's still some clubs that I think are trying to vie for that those those final expansion bid products. Yeah, I mean, Sacramento feels like there's news about them every every few weeks. But it's, it's just it's never good news yeah. at this point, right? <laughs> like, you hear like, oh, they they you know butch they they butchered their chances they they dropped the ball on their like they had because the way i understand it sacramento republic had an expansion right secured but it had conditions under certain requirements like there needed to be an x amount of available capital to fund into the, the performance of the team and then of course they had to have their stadium uh secured with like building own like in building by a certain date and something happened with their ownership group Someone didn't agree with someone. I don't, or maybe someone kind of like inflated what they could do, and then suddenly Sacramento Republic is on the outside looking in, and like I, I don't hear anything positive about that club outside of their performance on the field these days. So 
it's it's really interesting like what will happen with them in the future there are other clubs that should most definitely like make bids so um i think at phoenix rising continues to try and i think it's a good market to potentially have an mls club but the one that um really impresses me in terms of its its tenure its uh, attendance and its performance is uh louisville louisville like if you do any research on louisville like they are ready already. They have a soccer-specific stadium that can be expanded to make whatever attendance you need. They've got, like, I guess there's nothing else going on in Louisville, so, like, they're the top of the of the sporting walk. Um, I don't know if there's, like, anything collegiate at that point, but, um, like, like they, they could make a viable case. If, if Columbus Crew can be in MLS, and I don't say anything bad about Columbus Crew as a team, I just mean, like, a Columbus-located club can be an MLS like there's no reason Louisville could not also be be in there. So there's arguments across the board that that expansion is great, but not at the cost of like the great products that we already have we we see in USL today. Yeah, I mean a lot of those smaller markets end up being some of the best because y- you you get that like really good support locally. People, you know, really gravitate towards their teams. There's maybe not a lot of other competition, maybe just some local college or something. And especially like, you know, the environment at soccer games can be infectious and just, just a fun place to go and like hang out. Agreed. Agreed. So let's, uh, let's deep dive into some of these clubs. So currently as of 2023, there are 24 clubs in the league. Um, there are the same East and West conferences with 12 clubs, uh, in each conference. I'll be really curious to see how, uh, Rhode Island FC shakes things up because they're coming in next year as the, as a solo entity. There's no other additional club coming in on the other side. Um, but within the 24 clubs, there's also two teams that are on hiatus until certain times. And I, I don't, I don't really know what that means. So, okay. City Energy is waiting on some sort of stadium deal. I don't know why they can't just play at like Joe Schmo's local high school in the interim. Um, and then there's another team that is in the process of relocating. I, I haven't heard good news lately. I don't know what that means for the club. But Austin Bold FC, which when Austin arrived in MLS, they it wasn't the expansion of that USL club. So they kind of decided, well, we need to pull up stakes and, and move somewhere else. They were potentially relocating to Fort Worth so they could stay in that kind of Texas arena. But I haven't heard much, and I, there's nothing really on their, their socials. There's not really a lot going on in like their, their club news. So I don't, I don't know if that's a they're going to sell their franchise rights to maybe another group um, or something like that. And then so with, with those being said, like the two that are in limbo, there are those three expansion teams that are coming to the league as well. So one of them is us, Rhode Island FC. And uh, then there's two additional teams, one in Milwaukee and one in Iowa. And I don't know, there's already an Iowa team in the lower divisions um, called the Menace. So I don't know if it's going to be the like Des Moines Menace or if it's going to be um, some sort of other Iowa club. Um, but that's going to be our, our USL championship um makeup for 2023 we also have um i forgot did you see this uh we're getting arkansas team as well just announced yesterday see this is the thing you do show notes and then the world moves on without (laughs) you you know that was episode 2.0 this is like 2.11 i know but i I didn't update the notes (laughs) 
I'm running I forgot. I, I, saw, I saw this, and then I just looked it up to confirm it. To make sure, is it, yeah. is it from USL? Is the is the press release from USL? Because if it's not, if it's from Go Local Prov, uh, we have problems. No, but there there are multiple sites reporting it. Okay, um, well let's let's break the hot breaking news. USL that will come Soccer out like League announced now. Wednesday morning an exclusive partnership with USL Arkansas, a group that will bring a professional men's and women's club to Northwest Arkansas. Northwest, what's? I, I have terrible geography. What what is this? Uh, is that little? I only know of Little Rock. In Arkansas, yeah, I'd have to bring up a map. I mean, you've got the you've got the computer over there. You've got the talent. Do we do we know what that may be, or like nor, like is there listeners? Can you beat Jason to the search? Is there a city that is makes this, sense? Is this some sort of AR episode? Like <laughs> uses interact. Um, I don't know, Bentonville maybe Springdale. I don't. You could make yeah. up a city, and I wouldn't know it if it's in that state or not. So okay, well we've got some homework to to figure that out then in the in the future. But yeah, looking like twenty twenty six is what they're saying. Okay, so still still nothing still, still near a bit of a as ways close off. as the other three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then um, so then just kind of breaking down again some more of the the dichotomy of the of the the clubs and the the USL Championship itself. Uh, the current league champions, San Antonio FC. Um, so, you know, uh, belated congratulations on winning in, in 2022. Um, you know, you're not going to win it anymore once we come in the league. So sorry, you know, you're going to have to deal with that on your own. Um, and then it was really interesting. I wanted to kind of see who were the the pedigrees, like who were the, the, the ones that had the most trophies, the most hardware in their in their cabinets. And it's actually a tie at the top of the league. Um, knowing, again, less than two decades worth of time uh, as a league, but Louisville and Orlando City have two wins each as champions, but Orlando City no longer in the league. So I feel like they shouldn't even get... Like, they can get it as a, like, asterisk. How does that work? Like, you know, remember when... Did, did the Supersonics ever win anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if, if, if a club wins, they Supposedly still... Supposedly OKC claims it. I don't know. They're still they still go down in history as the winner. It's just like, do you talk about it anymore? Like, why talk about ghosts, right? Um, but yeah, so okay, so back to USL. We don't count Orlando City anymore. Louisville are the champs supreme, and uh, and so that's what's going on. As far as some other fun facts that I can say after doing six minutes of Google research, uh, you know, in my in my spare time. Um, New Mexico is one of the, the newest clubs in the, the groupings, um, and they have some of the highest attendance right now. Uh, their record this year does not reflect uh, those standings because um, they just, I think, got across the playoff line, but they've been struggling this year. But they're producing almost 10,000 in attendance um, a week. Um, and then you know, you've got some of the other clubs like which I I said it so many times wrong, and then I finally was like, you know, I'm not confident on the different pronunciation uh, types you have. I'm gonna just like do one of those phonetic, like pronunciations on Google. So I thought it was Luden or London, but like Ludens. said funny, but no, it's it's Loudon. It's Loudon. Like that's that's they want to get loud and Loudon. So uh, Loudon United, which is the last um, kind of feeder club. And we'll talk about that in a second uh, when we talk about like players and the talent pools. But they're they're the, one of the the last affiliation teams um, in the league, and they're attached to DC United. 
Um, as, as you know, but for our listeners, you know, up until this year, in fact, one of the things that fed the amount of clubs that we had in the league was all of the MLS two groups, which were like, you know, your galaxy two, Seattle to Atlanta to, uh, for some reason, Vancouver Whitecaps had a two. Yeah, it was number four. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know where two and three went. I, uh, I, 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 I sometimes like, I know you want to have a youth academy. I know you want to grow talent. And rightfully so, I think, you know, Vancouver produced uh, Alfonso Davies. So, like, you know, it's not like they didn't do things. But sometimes I wonder if, like, as a financial operator, they look at the club and, like, oh, this is just the biggest sink of money that we're never going to be able to splash out of. And, uh, and yeah. All you need is one one big one. And uh, I, You know what? That's true. I guess Davies may have paid for Whitecaps, too, for, like, 10 years. So... I, I I redact that. I pull that statement back. It's 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 no longer makes sense. So thank you for bringing me to the light. But um, but yeah. So in terms of kind of like what the team dynamic is here, and I'm, I'm going to challenge you in a second to see how many of the clubs you can actually name. Um, I will give you a hint. The actually no, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save the biggest rivalry for the end. So first of all, Jason, can you even tell me who is at the top of the table right now? Top of the table, USL. Um, you can either give me a conference. Colorado Springs switchbacks. So the switchbacks are not at the top of the table. Las Vegas Lights. They are in dead last. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're in dead last with the exception of uh, that trash team down in Connecticut. Uh, mm. You know, Hartford Athletic. RIP. <laughs> Nobody cares about them. You know, Tab, Tab Ramos <laughs> leaves and so does the rest of their spirit. But um, so okay, so you've named a couple, but the correct answer is right now the Pittsburgh Riverhounds are back at the top of the table. I heard about them, but but they uh, made a deep. They beat the they beat the Revs recently in the Open Cup. Um, or did they get knocked out in that game? Oh man, I just said a fact that I, I can't back up. I think they won the yeah. I think they won the Revs and then they got knocked out the next round. I'm sticking it, to that. I think it was a some other Midwest team that knocked him out. Works for me. Who follows the Open Cup? After the USL Cups yeah, are gone, it doesn't we, matter. Who cares? Yeah. The, the fun it clubs really. are out. It, it, the Cinderella story is like that. Again, pro-rail. We watch that to hope that we see something that does not normally happen. Um, and then so in the Western Conference, you've got Sacramento Republic right now. Uh, they're kind of running things. But, but looking at the table, it's not like wildly like sparse in terms of point consistency, there's a lot of like competitive clustering. There's definitely some teams like Hartford that have a total of um, 10 points in 18 matches. Um, but I would say like the average right now is probably closer to 27. And they're, the winning clubs in each of the conferences are at 34. So they're, what, two games, two wins so back? They just like accidentally win a few games, like whoops, I'm in first. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I think sometimes, you had touched on this earlier, but that is one of the best things that a league can ever have is that parity. I mean, again, we, we talked earlier about the total number of clubs that have like that dynasty of wins, and it's at two right now for two teams. So like I, I kind of think of it and go, like that's really exciting to know that there's going to be a variety. Now, I hope RIFC starts their own dynasty right out the, out the gate. But, but like, I do enjoy that more because nothing is more annoying than knowing that, you know, like, oh, Manchester City is going to win again. And it's like their, their season to lose. Eighth time in a row. <laughs> right? Bayern Munich on their 15th oh, yeah. championship. Like, yeah, is it, is it 15? No, right no. It's like 55, right? 
I think it's I think it's eleven. I mean, but just Dort, the, Dortmund almost had it. I know, like, but then again, it was it was theirs to it was theirs to lose, right? They didn't want it. <laughs> Could you? Hey guys, we're going to the last two games of this <sighs> season. I don't I don't want the pressure of being champion. You know how many autographs we have to sign? I don't want that. Like, let's I, just go. I home. can't drink all that bus top beer. I can't, I can't play to FIFA. I have to be doing interviews. I don't want to do that. <gasps> yeah. No. I. I. Um. But like, that's insane. A decade of of wins. Like, that doesn't happen a lot in sports. And when it does, it kind of creates like some nonsense. Like, if you ask a football fan outside of New England, but but New England does apply to it because they have a dynasty as well. I guarantee you, the casual fairweather fan of football will be one of four clubs that they're fans of. It'll be the 49ers for their dynasty. It'll be the Cowboys for their dynasty. It'll be the Patriots for their dynasty. Or it'll just be Green Bay Packers because, like, that's the team that Brett Favre was on and then Aaron Rodgers and they were cute or something like that. Like, that, like that's normally how it goes. not because people like cheese? I mean, that's why I'm a Packers <laughs> fan. Um, but anyways, the, like, it just, it's boring. Like, there's an excitement knowing that, like, you really have to struggle and you really have to go through it. So, having said that, do you think you can list every club in USL Championship Soccer? Um, no, but I can, I can give it a go. Hit me, hit me with your uh, best I'm shot. I'm not so cheating right now. I'm looking at a map of Arkansas, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> so, hit me with... Uh, hit me with the Eastern Conference first. How about that? Well, that way you don't like scatter because I might not even be able to track which okay. clubs are which. So we've got Hartford Athletic. Crap, Crapford, Crapletic. <laughs> yep. Um, I think Loudon is. <laughs> I don't actually know where that is, but I'm pretty. But sure you know it's a club. It's somewhere in the East Coast. Yep, Loudon is one. It's, um, it's in. I, man, I should know this, but I think it's Mar- it's it's close to DC United. So if it's not okay, Maryland, it's sweet. Virginia. It's like right around that area. Um. Pittsburgh is in, in got Pennsylvania. the Riverhounds. Yep. Um, who else do we have? There's there's another club in Miami, not not the one with not, not the not the not Messi the FC, the, not not the Argentinian <laughs> special. What 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 Miami was it you FC? called it? What did you call the new? Uh, you called it Inter Messi, not oh, Inter Miami. Inter Messi. <laughs> <laughs> yep, um, you have Miami FC. Then. I, do you want to you want a hint? I'll give you one hint. Does Louisville count, or is that Louisville's in, is East? That in, yep. okay. Do you say that because you don't know where Louisville is? In I the, do. In the world? I just don't know where the line. So the line cuts off right now, very because the West is like in, really big, and then all of a sudden the East is just like, yo, there's a hundred states here and like right. a small section. Right. So the the West cuts off cleanly at. Um, at Oklahoma, Mississippi. Okay, uh, it's a little, it's a little, okay. more, a little more west, west. of the Mississippi, okay. but the o- Oklahoma is is the cut, and then everything else is west. So, I'm pretty sure there's more East teams. <laughs> Just, okay, I'll give you a hint for one of them. I'm not going to do the voice because I I can't do the voice, but it's orgasmic. Oh, okay, Mr. Ray Hudson himself. Ray um, Hudson FC. Do you remember <laughs> the name though? Uh. Tampa Bay Rowdies? Exactly, yeah. By the way, um, I don't know if we mentioned this on the first. See, again, when you've done an episode and you don't know what went into the first one, um, I was looking online for Ray Hudson, and uh, you can buy on Cameo him to do anything you want. So you can have him just record you a message, but he'll also do a professional recording for you, as much as professional as, as Ray Hudson can be. 
kind of tempted to splash out and, and pay the <laughs> thousand and something dollars to have him do like the intro to this. All right, where, where's our GoFundMe? So, we, <laughs> listeners, if you want to hear Ray Hudson in your ears, ridiculous. I'm like, I will give him full license to say whatever he wants for a minute. And you could hear that every episode. Let's let's talk. Let's mail partner. a check to four two three one Rhode Island. <laughs> and and you know Rhode Island FC. When you do start listening to this, if you want to do that for us, let's let's talk partnerships here. We we can uh, we can make that happen. But okay, so yeah, so you got the rowdies. You're only off by like four more, I think. But you're missing a big one that I think deserves acknowledgement. Actually, you're missing two big ones on the East Coast that I feel like deserve a special call out. Um, you know, I don't do well on the spot. <laughs> I didn't do so. Indy 11, which okay. is yeah. been it, one of the ones that have been like got a cool name, too. Super cool name, right? Like it's soccer related, it's based on the city they're into. Like, good job on the marketing on that one. Um, and then I think just because it's fair that it said Charleston, the battery, they're, they're the mm, oldest club. My favorite Metallica song, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but they're the oldest club. Um, in, in USL's history right now in terms of organization. And it's not like they're that old, but they, they do have that pedigree. Um, and then the ones you missed, Detroit City, they have a club, Memphis. So Memphis, uh, it's like 901, I think. Maybe that's just the area code, at Memphis person. Uh, and then the Legion, which made the deepest run into the Open Cup, Birmingham Legion, were the ones that uh, were neglected uh, from the true East Coast. And then you've got, but you got one more. But wait, there's one more. Of us? Then you've got Tulsa. Which is in the oh they're in the they're, so they're, they're in they're in the shadow zone right right now, because think, right? like they are all by themselves when OKC went away like that was probably their punching bag like that was their fight and right now they're just one little club hanging out in Oklahoma right in the middle of both the east and west so my guess is next year when Rhode Island FC does go live if they choose to keep that many clubs on the east then we'll that'll be fine we'll have the extra one. But if they choose to balance out the other side, then Tulsa is going to go back to the West, is, is my guess. Um, okay, so West Coast. When, when let's let's see what you can do on the West Coast. So I've already named the lights. Yep. There's the switchbacks. Yep. Um, you already mentioned New Mexico United. Yep. Uh, we also talked about Phoenix Rising this we episode, did. too. We also talked about Sacktown. We did. Um, there's one named after a band. Is it? Like the Roots or something? So, hey, that's actually a good association. <laughs> Oakland Roots, by the way, super cool jersey, super cool logo. Uh, when we talk, when we get to the sickest kit episode, oh. they are going to definitely be in the running for the one of the best kits I've seen so far as far as a product. Um, and then you told me something interesting about the Roots. Do you remember what you said in the... Oh, yeah, in the, the lost episode. We don't talk about the episode, <laughs> yeah, but we're we going to talk, talk about, about the episode? Um, there, I don't remember, but it's something about they're offering sales up for their club in terms of, like, ownership. Yeah, Kinda they're doing maybe a split in ownership. The, in the way that, like, they do it in the Bundesliga, where the fans actually own the teams. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of the percentage. I looked it up briefly. I don't think it's like a 51-49 split. I think it may just be like 30% of the club. And I'm also thinking they're trying to find like big names to to make purchases versus like you and I just buying one mm, share of the club each. And, the, and then being the Rex the, the Rexham special. No, no, even better. Being the Brett Johnson 1% owner control. See, it all comes full oh, circle okay. in the pod, full right? Okay, you know, there we, we, go. we become the directors of the Oakland Roots. Look while, at me. I'm the director now. <laughs> 
<laughs> while being commentators on Rhode Island FC. So yeah, so okay, so back on track. Roots, you got them. You got a couple more. Um, what are some other states over there? <laughs> Ironically, they're all kind of concentrated into two states at this point. Um, San Diego has one, right? They do. Oh yeah, Mister doesn't Mister Donovan own Landon that one? Donovan okay. is uh, not own, not own. I think he's it, he's the coach, maybe a partial sponsor, like right. owner. He's person. affiliated with the team. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, Texas have like four teams also. So they have they have three right now with with Austin. We don't know what's going on. And my favorite club, like if I had to have like a secondary club in the USL, is in this group. Um, does El Paso have a team? They do. Okay. But you got to say the name. I'm not going to let you just say like you, you got it right because this one's um, important. Um, <laughs> so I've probably known and or seen it or read it. I'm just, it's, I'm drawing a blank right now. El Paso Locomotive. You got to get on the train gang. Nice, nice. You got to get on the chugga chugga choo choo. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not copying that Russian team. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, no no connection or affiliation to the legacy of Russia. Especially now they've been canceled. Yeah, we don't talk. You think? Do you think that went to their mind? Like maybe we should just blacklisted from Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. Do you think they've had like branding conversations? Like it would cost us two million dollars. Do you think there are other soccer nerds out there who would give them a hard time over or something like that? I mean, oh man, because the average person is gonna have no idea where that's from. You know, that's well, but it's still it, it has a I Russian mean, maybe it has a Russian SJ, vibe. Like you know, their USL SJWs are like, <laughs> I gotta change the name. So remember earlier when I was Slavia like, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta find um, we gotta find those filler episodes in the in the back half of when there's no soccer on. We'll explore the 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 dynamic of of you know equity equality and uh and you know geo world politics in soccer that that'll that'll be the on the patreon specials is that also like part asmr just to put people asleep (laughs) (laughs) oh man could you you know i didn't think about it but i think one of my biggest fears now is, is finding out that we have an insanely high listening count but it's just so that people can go to bed Uh, that's my nightmare as long as they listen (laughs) but are they just don't just don't tell us oh man well tell us you listen but don't tell us you're going to sleep so so fun fun fact that is actually a new like added fear but the other one is that we say something as part of our mannerisms or our language that becomes like a drinking a drinking game so because during the pandemic i i got i got too heavy into to podcast listening and there was one that um this person just continued to do this thing. It was like a tick. And so I made a drinking game out of it. And then 30 episodes in, they caught, like someone spoiled it and they caught wind of it. So then they did this thing. I was like, I'm going to punish you. And I'm going to do this tick <laughs> 45 times in a session. And it was, it didn't end well for me that night. Um, so I Are just, you sure you finished that episode? <laughs> we'll never know. Um, so I, that is a fear of mine. It's like, I don't want to have that get called because once you hear it it's you just will never be able like, to not <laughs> matt did the thing time to drink <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay so you got the loyal you you just got locomotive even though you, you get like a partial credit for that how you got a couple Half clubs point. left you got a couple clubs left um there's another team in tejas i didn't announce um there's two more in tejas oh, two dosmas um 
I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm at the end of my limit here with this. You know, it's still it's a learning experience. It, you know, I'm, you're along for the journey. When I when I look at the table every single day to check where RFC are in the standings, I'm gonna have them all memorized. It's be like <laughs> just a picture of my my brain, you know. <laughs> Until like the club's not even worth your attention, and like, oh yeah, they're in the oh, league. I forgot about that guys. one. But okay, I'll help you fill in the blanks for the rest. So one of them you could have cheated because we kind of already talked about the current champion, San Antonio FC. Uh, then you've got um, the Toros out of Rio Grande Valley, RGV, which they have an amazing stadium. And when we get to the stadium episode, um, they are, like, when we talk about travel, they may be one of the first few places I want to, like, check out if we get lined up as such. Um, and then you've got two more in the, um, I'm surprised you missed this one, the Orange County uh, Soccer Club, or OCSC. Uh, they were originally the LA Blues, which is one of the oldest kind of, again, legacies of the Division Two soccer pyramid. Okay, yeah, I think I've seen them in a like U.S. Uh, Open Cup game like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's an MLS team. Right, yeah. right. Um, and I will tell you this for listeners, stop what you're doing. Go on socials and go look at uh, a mock kit they have of something they may put to production for their players. It is the most ridiculous jersey. Just it has oranges and orange peels, just like the fruit, just all over. And like, is it this is like a Heffenweizen kit? No, it should be. <laughs> just right? drink it. It should be, but it, it's it it's reminiscent of if you've ever seen the FC Dallas taco kit joke that they did a couple years ago with like just tacos and squiggly lines and like quesadillas and like cactuses and stuff. Oh, getting that cool like '90s Saved by the yeah, Bell. It's like a '90 oh, exactly, nice. and they so they did it for orange and I. Like if I could support another club and I could also financially afford it, I would do it. But uh, you guys should all go check it out because again, I want to know what the possibilities are for when we do the sickest kit pod. Um, I'm really <laughs> excited about that. And then to, to round things off, uh, you missed one team. They're newer, um, and it's totally understandable. But up in Fresno, um, you've got or sorry, not Fresno. Oh man, I already made the mistake. Formerly from Fresno, now Monterey Bay the Monterey Bay uh, Union. So we, we put that name out there into the world. Um, so yeah, so that's the clubs. Uh, apologies that that took way too long to get to. Um, if I were to ask you what is like the biggest rivalry, whether it's manufactured or organic today, what would you take a stab at right now? Um, biggest rivalry? Um, I don't know. So it's interesting because it would be newer since New Mexico hasn't been around, but it's New Mexico, United, and uh, El Paso Locomotive. They just really hate each other. I, I, I again, maybe I, is it, maybe they've got some past history, just not aware of. Because like, you know, when you ask who's the biggest rivalry, I'm trying to think of, you know, you think of normal like history. It's like, okay, well, L.A., Boston, you know, everyone versus New York. <laughs> just like trying to think and just. Nothing really screamed out me, especially because in the USL markets, they're trying to go a lot more of these like, you know, medium kind of towns that have the support there, but maybe just don't have a team to support. Right. And and I, I don't know. This this stat came straight from USL. So when it's like, what's the biggest one? This could be manufactured. It could be manufactured the same way. Uh, what is it? The, oh, so LA it's like Galaxy, the MLS LAC, special. Which, like, what if you guys played each other a hundred times in a row? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it, it could be it could be as artificial as what the El Trafico. Um, 
And then, but like also too, I don't think that's artificial anymore. I think those fans hate each other. I think those clubs hate each other. And oh, like after they always show yeah, up. especially after the the most recent game at the uh, Rose Bowl, like what was that nine ninety two thousand or something 80, like that? Was it eighty? I, I think yeah, insane. That's crazy. Insane. And for not for like a U.S. men's or women's national team, not for like any like kind not of even, disqualifier or championship. Well, that's probably going <laughs> to change we'll, immediately. We'll see. we'll see what happens. What's the current ticket price on it? You were just telling me earlier today. We're in the um, 2000s again? Yeah. They're, they're playing in some Continental Cup or something against a Mexican team, and it's $1,200 a ticket or something. My goodness. I'll be really curious to see if those all those clubs move to bigger arenas instead of playing in their twenty thousand you know soccer specific stadiums just to get that cash grab. I don't blame them if they do. Oh yeah, no, I mean you, you know, like we talked in the first episode, this is a big decade for U.S. soccer. I mean they need to cash in, and those extra seats could be extra you know new fans. Agreed. Agreed. So again, and listeners weigh in. If we, if you think we got the rivalry wrong, if it's more of like a Derby thing, Derby Derby. I've never known as a Derby or is it Derby? Uh, depends what side of the Atlantic you're on. Maybe which one is it on this side? Is it Derby? I, I don't know. Derby. Or are we talk about? Or is it depends? Arby's is it a horse racing? Is it, is it, so it's Arby's. Horse racing is Arby's. We that's gotta be. Gotta I thought be. that was. They've just got like... the meats and it's horse meat. <laughs> okay. That I don't know. That uh, makes anyways. a lot of sense now that you say. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're what is it, Pepe Silva? We're putting we're putting clues together right now. Um, I don't I don't know if that's true. Maybe it's just by proximity because those are very close. And I did see on the site like they love to pin the ones that were the closest to each other. Again, maybe it's manufactured. But what is an important takeaway from the statistics that they do have on their sites is that the average right now for attendance is 4,300 fans. And I thought that that was pretty low considering that you've got clubs like Louisville and, and New Mexico United putting up like 10 to 12K numbers per game. So I looked into the, the data that they pulled for last season as the aggregate, and it's really interesting. I don't know why they do this because you'd think they'd be smarter in how they brand themselves, but they're counting those MLS2 clubs in their data. And like when I looked at it, LA Galaxy 2 had 200 people show up to their game. That's terrible number. Like, like that is just terrible way to accumulate data. Like, go with the, go with the median. Then don't 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 do the average. Yeah, that, that's one of those things where some more context is needed to really understand the the true picture. Right, right. But but again, like I won't also pretend that there aren't clubs that are only barely fielding you know three to four thousand. But again, when you start removing those like zero, like those single, well maybe not single, but like triple digit club attendances. Like this number should probably be closer to like sixty five hundred, maybe six thousand flat. Um, but the, cl- the they're all growing, and that's the great part. So we're starting to run really long, so we need to get going on some of this other stuff here. You ready to ready to jump into league play? Time trials. We got to speed this up. <laughs> I got one pace. <laughs> um, so so going into the actual um, the performance of USL Championship, um, I really like their setup here. I think it's the right way to do things, and and I and I I wish that other leagues would emulate this across the board. Um, but it's very traditional. It's you play every opponent in your conference twice. You have one home, you have one away, and then if you're in the East or West playing the opposite conference, you have an additional twelve games, and six of those will be matched up against a club at your home, and then the other six will be away, and you will only play each of them once. So again, when we talk about parity, when we talk about balance there you know because i think even mls today has some of that where 
I was just reading the earlier, I forget which club, but they hadn't played that club in three years. How, how does that That's happen? That's crazy. I, when I started watching the MLS 13-ish years ago, something like that, I mean, I, I think it was a similar setup where everyone, there was because there wasn't eight teams, play each other home and away. Maybe a few extra thrown in there just to balance it out. But like, that's one of the cool things about soccer is that they have such that balanced playing field of like, well, you all kind of had the same opportunities to win. Not like, well, you know, in our division is really tough and we play them way too many times and we get beat up on. And the other weaker divisions, we play these guys like once every few years. Which that's how baseball works. Like when you look at some of the, 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 the divisions and the way those are set up, there are teams that dominate and they just run away with it and they put up insane win percentages because they're beaten up on, you know, people that aren't putting a competitive product out. And then you see other ones where like they're all really good and they're all trying to just get that top spot and then hope they can get a wild card. <laughs> by the time they come out of it, they're all beaten and bruised up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I love this. I love this style. Um, and I hope that as we continue to expand, it just gets more and more closer to, you know, I, nobody really knows how many clubs USL really wants. And now with ProRel, I don't know where they would maybe, maybe they keep it at like 24. And then it's because like, what's the magic number? It's 40, 40 games would put you, so 20 clubs, right? That's what the Premier League does. So Yeah, so they have 38. But I know a few of the leagues below them actually if it like go up to as much as 24 teams just because they don't have as many other competitions. I don't know if we'd look, be looking at something like that, but it's definitely possible to to have a little more than 20. But yeah, once the further you go up, like what, 25 teams would put you at 48 games or something? Like that would probably be well, You couldn't play yeah. everyone. Yeah, that parity would yeah. go away. So either they have to go bonkers and do thir- like 20 per conference and have 40, and then you never see the other side, and it's a true like gentleman's challenge of like which conference produced the better champion. Um, but I now with ProRail, I wouldn't mind seeing like four of these teams get knocked out in the next three years and, and brought down and keep it at 20. But anyways, going into the playoffs. Now, this is where I don't like the system. And at first I thought I did, and then I read through it again, and I'm not, I'm not happy with this. And I hope that they, they really take a reflection on this. Now with ProRail, meaning, meaning maybe more like your table standings do have the merit and, and the importance. Because right now the way it works is, is first of all, 16 clubs make it in to the playoffs. So it's more than half. That's, that's insane. That's too, like, that does not reward club performance in any capacity in a meaningful way. And what's worse about it is since it's the top eight and not the top six, everything in the tournament draw is single seed all the way through to the end. And they don't reset the... The, like the standings in the seating. So it's one of those systems, and MLS adopted this a few years ago, and I've hated it ever since, where if you're one of the top four clubs and you win everything outright, you will, you will host every game in the playoffs. And for growing a league, that is the worst thing you could do. So if my club makes it in, but we seed eighth, and we're up against you know seed two, and we get one shot at winning that, that game, and we're going away. And, and if we want to say for the first round, because there are so many teams we need to filter that out, that's fine. But then you start getting into those like matches closer to like what would be a standard you know, semi-conference 
or you know going into the final itself and there's no dual leg system so it, let's say i am literally the 16th seeded team and i have to play then what is it five games to win the whole thing i'm playing five away games to win everything but what's worse is i don't get to do any of that in front of my fans i don't get to generate additional interest in the the soccer sport i don't get to do any of that stuff and like that that doesn't help grow a league and i think that they need to revisit that in the years to come Yeah, it's tough when when the bigger teams are always hosting the smaller ones and that they can't like really share that you know, the, the, like ticket revenue and things like that. There, there there's lots of talk of that in um like the Premier League when it, not the Premier League, but you know, like the EFL, the cups that they do where you know, ho- you know, like a small team for a smaller team, for instance, like let's just throw out Luton Town hosting a Manchester City. Like that's going to be a huge draw for them and make a lot of money and, you know, maybe even get some more fans in the Luton area to kind of like really get behind the team. Right. Like you don't have to be a fan of Man City to enjoy soccer. You can enjoy Luton Town instead. Yeah, and then if, if the thing is, if the big team that's already got a bunch of fans anyway, they've got all the money, they like, you know, they don't need it, but some of these smaller markets, when you kind of spread it around. Um, the only thing is that, like, when it comes to playoffs, it's it's a very, like, American thing. So, like, obviously that this is our spin on soccer in a way, right? We don't, other leagues just kind of go off, like, well, who won, who had the best, you know, winning record? Well, they won the league. Yeah, but, but, but playoff-wise, every, most sports do some sort of you know competition of of equals right except yeah, for the I'm super bowl which is met in a neutral ground it. and you know the fa cup is a perfect example of kind of where you were going that's a wimbledon wembley wembley, and wembley right and yeah. we don't have that like do we have a wembley in in america uh, i don't like a a big stadium that that really doesn't have a, like a team per se. Not that not that I'm aware of, or even more so. I like mean, it, soccer it'd have specific, to be like yeah, it it'd have exist. to be like a neutral venue. You're just like, yo, this NFL stadium. I think there was like the Silver Dome in Michigan before it like collapsed. Like, like I just I don't I don't see. Yeah, but I. Um, and, you know, and you don't want to extend it too much, but like maybe two legs is where you go with this, and you just cut the amount of team, like you know, the semis. So the semis is the perfect place to say, hey, like you you made it through the wild cards, your seating, your positioning got you into the first one, but the four clubs that go through the semi-conference finals and then the conference finals, they should play two extra games. And then it the, the, every team gets their shot. Because the final, the way we work this as a playoff, it, it has to be a single game setup. And, and that would go then to the final, you know, the team with the best record at that point. But like all of those games in between shouldn't just it shouldn't just be one club getting to host five games because they have the best record for the year. I, I, I know that contradicts how I said earlier about like I love the consistency and like everyone gets their shot, but like not in the playoff package. And again, if Pro Rail does come into the league, like do we even do champ like do we do playoffs? So you still you still have to. Or does I it think, become right? like an interleague cup and that's what you fight for? Like as like a like an open cup but only for USL two. Yeah, I don't know. That, that would be that would be very interesting, is that if we try and just mimic European soccer in that say say you know what screw the playoffs but we're going to have like a final still we'll have our you know our whatever our equivalent is to the FA Cup 
but it's only USL teams and it's the USL pyramid. Right. It's so only then for you US, have, by you know, USL sure, for maybe, USL. Maybe you're a tier or two down, but maybe you end up having a good run, you make it all the way to the final, you know. Well, so and I don't think we covered this. This is really we really gotta work on our show notes, but um USL two is actually amateur. It's not it's not professional. It's it's in the same realm of like MLS next, like those like like weird leagues that aren't like like the NISA or like the Yeah, and I mean I, I've seen in England there's a occasionally a random story of an amateur team they're like, What are you still doing here? You made it like, past the like rounds. Like, <laughs> well that no, no like I, even, I know, yeah, I know. But even see like even smaller than that, like it's like wow. Right. Or or like Iceland how they don't have a football squad that that plays like all the time together they're dentists and and lawyers and real estate agents and then they get together for friendlies and then they go represent their country so yeah like some of the smaller nations in the in the uefa like san marino or something it's or just, like when we were beating up on kits and 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 the, the and islands kits and nevis yeah, yeah. They, which by the way gold cup blowout like just what what a, what a way to go out right there yeah, you know, I don't know. We're in in between coaches, fielding, you know, a, a second string to a certain yeah, extent. It was B squad. It was B squad. It, it was B squad. So, I I don't know if you saw, but people were asking for Greg Burhalter to be removed because of the performance, mm. not realizing that he actually hasn't resumed responsibilities for the like he literally <laughs> or left. just just somehow he, it's his fault. He can't win. Just like the guy fault. is never gonna be able to win. Because um, if you would have put Jen on. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'll be curious to see how ProRail affects this. If it doesn't affect it and we continue with a the champion system the way it is, I really hope they work through that seeding system. Because, again, like a new club, they make the playoffs and then we never... Like, that's not how people are used to thinking about things per se. I think it would be a benefit to to unpack that. But moving on for the sake of time, player talent. So this one was the most interesting thing because there was not a lot of consistent information about players in in how the league happens. So I can't even tell you yet if there's like a bona fide CBA. It's classified information. <laughs> I don't have the clearance. <laughs> uh, but seriously, like there's there's talks that there is a CBA. There's talks that the CBA is kind of like a shell of an actual organization to protect the player like bargaining agreement, um, that there's work to get that done. Um, I, I don't have enough information yet to be able to say something. I can't even tell you the salaries. From what I've what I've picked up from sources that like make claims that I can't vet that it's just a mixed bag. Like players can be making 27,000 a year, which equates to like a $2700 a month minimum uh, salary package all the way up to 100,000 for like what we would consider more often like your like DP kind of like aging Eurostar or like someone who just has a lot of talent. Um, there is requirements that players do have like packages around like salary for like their housing, like food, insurance and whatnot. But I can't, I can't make heads or tails of a lot of that. The only thing that, and this does make sense, but the only thing that I can establish as a source of truth is that a majority of the league plays with free agents. They don't, they don't have the financial firepower to go and make acquisitions to strengthen the team. So everyone that they pick up, whether it's collegiate it's domestic league players, like it's interleague. It, it very rarely is there a transfer fee associated or attached to that. So 
I don't know if that hurts the league. I don't know if we'll see that change in the future. It, it makes sense with with kind of where the league is at. It does. You know, maybe the future things like that will change. But no, a hundred percent. It. I don't. I don't disagree with it. But it. It. I must make building a talented roster so much more difficult. Right. Like we talk about like doing like a FIFA Ultimate team, and it's like I want this person. I want you know the Pep, the Pep Guardiola. Like how much money do I have? Oh, I have twenty billion. Okay, I want these three players, right? It, it's got to be so much more challenging to find in your system. And I can't wait till when we dive in on Coach Kano's like, methodology of what he wants to build this team as. But it must be just the most difficult thing on the world to build a team from paper stick, paper and, and popsicle sticks. Yeah, I mean, if, if you can, you know, figure that out, it could really, like, do a number for your coaching CV. If you can sit there and piece together it, it it probably i i don't know for sure but just maybe educated guess requires that a lot more coaches be more flexible in terms of almost like i can't be too picky on what i'm gonna get you know we have a scouting department and whatnot and they get me guys who are trying a similar mold but i might just have to kind of play to their talents to see okay how do i effectively use what i have in my toolbox and create some tactics that like work for us. Right. There's there's more of a compromise than a forced system on players. Right. I agree. Um, and then on the other side of that coin, when we talk about player talent and salaries, we still are starting to see some big um, transitions out of the league. Right. And sending players off and making those big those big sales. So Josh Winder um, just went to Benfica from Louisville. One point two million for for a player out of USL. That's not bad. Yeah, it's not too shabby. I would be curious to understand how much of the money Louisville is allowed to use, and and, and I think we can just jump to that now because that's that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in like the strategy of USL. But what I've noticed with looking into like the financial performance is the league is all about sharing its its overall club or sorry not club um, league like health. Um, but it doesn't get a lot into actual club relic, uh, not relegation. See that word is going to haunt me now. Um, regulations. And I can't make heads or tails of if there are salary caps, if there are requirements on like, you can only spend X amount of money if you make it. I know, I know how the MLS system works exclusively because every player is under MLS contract. They're not actually associated to the club. Like so like Messi, you know off the top of your head, I had to get a tattoo of Wham Bam Gam. Thank you, ma'am, to understand like, you know, everyone's like, which one is that? I still have <laughs> arguments on Gam versus Jam, and it goes back to like the GIF versus JIF conversation. So, like what's better, Jam or Jelly? <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I I do know what each of them like I know what each of those models work in the MLS. I don't necessarily know the intric the intricacy of how they like can be stacked upon each other or cancel each other out. That that I always learn something new each. Like the DPU twenty two rule, I didn't know. Like if you do a DP that's under the age of twenty two, it actually has additional modifiers to how much you can lower other U twenty two players. So you can have really insane youth product talent and pay like a fraction of what you would have to pay. Um, in their acquisition, not necessarily their salary. So I, I don't I don't know is what I'm saying. Like if if a team wants to like make that kind of big purchase, 
I don't know that there's any mechanisms yet within the league. So I'm hoping I can learn more. I've actually requested from USL, like, can someone walk me through some of those technicals? If I can't find it, I'm going to reach out to other podcast hosts from the league and see if they already know. Deep dive into, like, the dark zone of YouTube. <laughs> the USL side. you got to get through 16 cat videos first and then, <laughs> and then a couple fail armies, and that's when you get into the dark side of YouTube. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're at. And um, so, yeah, so to kind of like wrap things up with the USL, I think it's really important to also educate listeners on where they can watch it. So, Jason, do you know where we can send people right now if they were wanting to get kind of more curious with the league's performance and games today? So we are not sponsored, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can, uh, if you got one of those ESPN Plus subscriptions, which actually... You know, they've got a lot of soccer on there. They do. So they also have USL on there, too. Um, I know they've got some sort of weird hierarchy triangle with Hulu and Disney. You know, if you... You got to get, the, you gotta get the, the package. Yeah. You get the, the, we're talking about pyramids today. Get, that's get, the, that's get all the, of the package. Above. Yeah, the triangle package. And then uh, USL's got an official YouTube channel, which has got a lot of uh, content on there yeah well. i've been watching a lot of the highlights they like to do the quick game recaps which i think is important because not everyone will have espn plus so um they can they can get those grabs so if you want to start seeing how bad hartford is up front you can start drinking in the misery tears there what's interesting is i did see that espn has made commitments to start bringing games back to like their secondary channels so usl is not in like the espn level yet but i've seen it on espn too it is not on the ocho don't make that joke I was just gonna say, are we we're gonna dethrone like some random like blackjack tournament? Oh yeah, like what 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 random sport had <laughs> to get bowling. removed? To get a, it's uh, it's lawn darts, oh, <laughs> Portuguese okay. lawn darts. Um, so that's that. What I did also think was really interesting though is, uh, according to what I read, and we'll have to wait till the end of the season to confirm. But the playoff mechanics though are exclusively shown on ESPN Deportes. So I don't know why. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I know, I know the audience that they may be pandering to for soccer product, but like, I'm which not is really interesting. sure. I, I don't know what the makeup of um, the USL is we in just terms spent, of. We just spent an hour covering the makeup of the USL. Sorry, sorry. Um, let me be more specific in terms of like where are we pooling talent from, right? So when when uh, MLS does that, I understand because you have certain teams who are like really trying to reach out and get a lot of like Mexican and Mexican American, even some South American talent. So that kind of makes sense that they will maybe try and push some of those games onto those like Spanish language channels. But yeah, I'm just really curious then what kind of like in terms of what the makeup of the USL. Because what you see in a lot of, not to go off a crazy tangent, but on the lower leagues in the various countries, what you end up seeing is it tends up to be a lot of the nationality of the like the nation that they're playing in, right? So like the lower the the low lower divisions of the English team of tiers, uh, just like, just uh, the lads, just the boys, it's just the lads. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, similar thing you probably see in, in other nations, and, and a lot of the. Foreign talent, as they get good, start to, you know, would go abroad. I know I'm kind of generalizing, but, the, you know, you're going to see a larger portion of the makeup of those lower divisions of, you know, whatever whatever nation your league is in. So I, I listened to an interview with Michael Parkhurst, one of the founders of Rhode Island FC, um, and he expressed that they're going to let 
the coach kind of determine what that will look like if if he wants to bring in the veterans for the first you know three years and then see what the performance of that looks like um or if we bring in like things and we need to start thinking and anticipating a youth academy or a partnership with the the existing um club you know youth academy clubs that exist within rhode island today um so he kind of was leaving that up to the strategy that the front office was going to build around that vision but he did he did mention that his understanding of kind of the roster dynamic of players in the usl is it's a mixed bag of you know your homegrown players whether that's to the state or like truly internally to the club um collegiate players that and you know you see this all the time with like the mls draft like 36 players make it into mls and then very few ever really penetrate like first team rosters um but there's all those other kids that come out of stanford they played really good soccer and they don't even make it to the draft so i'm assuming that those are some pickups as well uh and then you you get those domestic league players that you know they're they can't find a new home as a journeyman and it's probably you know specifically mls um and so they get picked up that way too. So I imagine it's going to be a little bit of a collection of, of that kind of approach, especially because we won't have youth at the beginning um, in terms of an academy. So, uh, but it'll be curious to see. Yeah, I'll be curious to see see how that pans out for us. And then, you know, as we start to learn more about the league, watch more to really kind of get a feel and understand for what the what the talent pool is throughout the league and what maybe types of players certain teams are going after. Um, I think we've got off on a little tangent here. The street, the street, the street lights are on. I think my mom's calling. (laughs) (laughs) If you had told me this would be running this long, uh, for this episode, and on a cliffhanger part two (laughs) (laughs) next time on. Um, so to wrap things up, you know, I think there's just, we've been comparing a lot tonight to MLS and, um, especially if they're trying to differentiate themselves. I think the main takeaways are we don't know if there's roster salary caps. There's definitely not a DP mechanic because there's no one making those kinds of, you know, million dollar contracts um, for USL clubs that we know of. Um, But there is one interesting thing and we'll pick up on it in the later episodes, but I noticed that you can basically bring your entire squad with you for game day. So it's not like, you know, you have 30 on your club, you have like four, which are provisional emergency injury slots and then you bring like your 18, you can bring 23, 24 players um, with you on game days. So from a tactics perspective, I'd be really interested to see like what a coach's strategy is like going into the 45th minute, you know, what, what in the dying minutes of the game, like what do you need to do? Like, you know, screw it. We're going to send five, you know, attacking players. And I mean, I know you can't make five subs, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe we'll have to, to look up some of what, what the rules are when, when these, do, do the rosters not have to be locked in in a sense of like so the I, the starting eleven does from what I've understood but you can literally travel like game day dressed in kit you can bring the other uh, t- what is it 12, 12 players at that point is that the right math yeah twelve players along so you have a whole other f- team that you can field so the strategy becomes much more interesting, interesting right yeah. like you can you if you need a player that you maybe didn't want to bring but suddenly that's exactly who you need it'll I, I'll be really curious to see what that looks like. And then, so those are the differences I could immediately call out between USL and MLS. But I think it's also important that we talk about US, USL's um, kind of setup and what it is and what it isn't, kind of just to kind of get back to those those earlier statements. So one, it, this this league is not at risk. I hear a lot of times when I ask people, like, oh, isn't that that league that's going to like fold any day now? 
the club, the I keep saying the club, the league Lies is not right. It's like the stadium issue all over again. The league is is financially healthy. Um, they have been making a profit since 2016. So 2011 was when it started as USL Pro. By 2016, they were making a profit. Now they're making the millions of profits with a fully fledged system. Like we're talking, you know, like all of the marketing. We're talking about like the, you know your HR, your your athletic uh, department, your sporting acquisition department, like everything you need to make the league viable. They're not. It's not three people in a laptop like this operation um, running this show, and so they're they're financially stable right now. The range rate for an expansion fee, which again, interesting for Pro Rel, is five billion dollars. So it's like a club can't just come in because they've got some shoes, they got some boots, and they they want to they want to play they want to play ball. Like that's not how this works. Um, and that, in fact, is a higher increase on when we talk about expansion fees than actually the MLS. Um, it's it's expanded. You know, it's not as high of a dollar amount, but it probably started at five dollars and like an IOU monopoly card, and now it's at that five million range. So the, the league is doing just fine, and no one don't let anyone say that that's an issue. And also, too, they're not competing with MLS. Like I know this Division One topic of ProRail is now like the hot the hot topic, but they're doing it to remain viable so they never have to risk being a secondary market or being the underdog. They're trying to make their, they're, they're calling their shot in this space. Like, But if it doesn't happen, this league will continue to be ex- perfectly fine on its own. Yeah, I, I think maybe the only thing you would worry about there is if we don't look more for differentiation with like ProRel or something else per se. There's there's probably like a threshold, right, of where where the league can reach, I think, because you always know. have you have the big brother over there. He's like, oh look how cool I am. But so here's the thing, I got messy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know that I agree with that, and we can talk about it on another episode because the way I see it is is that this league is penetrating markets that would normally be unserviceable by an entity like Major League Soccer or any Major League Sport. Like where they're thriving, like you said, is in places that like they don't have anything else. And that's not so to say then, oh, there isn't an appetite and that's all we can do. But it's where we see the strongest resonation, right? So if New Mexico United is getting the entire state of New Mexico behind it, guess tell me another sport in New Mexico. Um, it's it's red or green, right? You pick the color of the sauce on the burrito. <laughs> But that's my point, right? So, like, I don't know the population of New Mexico, but I'm going to say it's at least, like, 4 million people. Maybe it's 2. But you have 2 million people suddenly becoming a fan of New Mexico United Soccer. That's a big deal. That's bigger than trying to, like, get a club in, you know, I don't know, insert capital city here. I I don't know. (laughs) And, And so when you look at that kind of opportunity, I think the league could thrive on its own without being in those markets where there's already a major sporting product. It doesn't even have to be soccer. And in fact, I'll go further and say, I think the clubs that are competing in cities where there is an MLS product are the most at risk. So San Diego Loyal, now that San Diego makes footy foot face or whatever they're yeah. opening up. What, whatever they're called. That's a that's a risk. And I I don't think the Loyal deserve that. I mean, How Austin, many times do you think people buy Miami FC tickets thinking oh, they're going to go see Messi? You, I, I'm sh- you know what? I'm sure it'll <gasps> hey, happen. good for them. Make some extra money this year. I know, but like, not good for like the audience. The fan will immediately be <laughs> some guy. That... Only if they sign a player like like Leonard Messi, and they have him on the squad. So at least you can feel like you almost saw it. You know, like you gotta you gotta have that. Dude, 
Oh, do USL teams have like um, mascots? We're going to talk about that. They just have we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> so hold. I I know where you're going. We're going to talk about that in a future episode. Um, but I do think that those clubs are the most at risk. I think that's why Austin Bold left immediately because they couldn't compete with Austin FC, and and that's a problem. So like I think there's viability in finding cities and markets where there's no competing sport product at all. Or when there's just the ability for us to, you know, not compete with our immediate big brother that's in the room with us right now. So, I don't know about that. We we can definitely talk about it more, um, and and maybe pro rail still the future. But I do want to say that what I think is really important is I believe that the age of the feeder system of the league, like the, all the MLS two teams are gone, right? They're now in the next pro system, so we're not going to worry about that. That I think I think those teams hurt the league. I really like I like if you can't get excited and if you can't show up for a like an academy team. Oh yeah, definitely because those those are not teams with a an identity. They're a number two, right? right? Like you said, what like two hundred people watch LA Galaxy two? No one cares about that. They're just like, well, I wonder if one of these guys will start for LA Galaxy in a few years or something. That that's a that's pretty much it. Right, right. It's something to do on a Wednesday night, and I live down the street. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have cable TV. <laughs> and my son plays for this team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, so I, I think I think that day and age is gone. I don't think that we'll see any more of that, um, you know. And, and again, with the affiliation pro- part, that's why I brought up Loudon, because they're the last one truly connected to the product, and I they're not in any intention of leaving or, or going into MLS Next or anything like that. But I am curious if any of these teams that are remaining are going to try to still make a bid for an MLS expansion. I think it's definitely possible. Um, if we find ourselves moving to a pro rail state, I wonder, you know, would some of the big boys be like, or some of the bigger teams are like, Oh, I don't want to know, deal with this. And it's like, you know, let me go over here and get my golden ticket. That's that's a problem for fifty years down the road. Yeah, when they that's catch a problem. And that's we a have problem for future USL. <laughs> right. So I, I don't I don't have enough knowledge yet on if those teams are still actively putting. I think I think Don Garber said there was two more, um, two more expansion spots that he wanted to do. Um, I don't know. I I might be that might some be, like number written on his wall, and they're just not there yet. But but again, I think he's lied though, because I think he said that number like he said different numbers each time. They've he's just winging it. Yeah, like how much more money can I make on this pyramid scheme? Um. So so yeah. So I'll be I'll be really curious about that. Um. But hey, listen, I think we set out to do what we wanted to do today. We talked about USL. We talked about the clubs in general. Gave a little bit of the backstory. ProRail is definitely going to be a continuation of, of conversation to come. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I think there's really only one last thing I want to ask you today to lock in. Who are your predictions to win 2023 USL Championship? Do you remember who I said in the previous version, like 2.0? Uh, I do remember. Okay. Because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want me to... Like tell you, or do you um, want to take a guess and I'll tell you if that was right? I think we're gonna go with um, Tauros. Okay, you know okay. the one that's named after the Pokemon or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
That uh, one that supposedly got the really cool stadium. Yeah, we're gonna go with them. Okay, so if they're if they win and they're in the like seat, we're gonna go watch the final this year. Then how about that? Okay, road trip, road trip down to Texas in November. I'm sure that's fine weather, right? Yeah, it's perfectly yeah, perfect. fine. Uh, There's I'm, no power energy that's in supplies, February. right? That's February. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay, cool, that's cool, when they cool, get cool, those cool. freezes. Um, I'm going with San Antonio locomotive train gang up. You got it. You got to train gang while you can. <laughs> choo choo. <laughs> Oh, man, it's going to be a wild ride. I can't wait to make any more mistakes on this podcast with you, buddy. Nonstop. Until we figure it out. (laughs) So uh, how about you get us out of here and tell uh, tell the people who've dealt with us and managed to listen this long. All right, guys, if you're still here, (laughs) we have a Twitter, at RIFC Podcast. We got a new one called Threads. Uh, Definitely not anything that's been stolen from another company, as far as I'm aware of. That one is at RIFC Podcast. There is an Instagram at Raising Anchor, and we do own a website. Um, well, we have own a website address. I don't think it goes anywhere right now. We're it, it, by the time they listen, it, there'll yeah, be something maybe there. by the time we have you know little, some people little dancing to this, soccer ball gift yeah, or something. We'll, we'll figure something out there. Uh, that's going to be Raising Anchor Podcast. Hey man, love you. Thanks for talking with me. Can't wait to do it again. Love you too, buddy. Catch you guys later.